0: Welcome to Daily Coast's The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Here we'll discuss the issues that are driving the news as we fight for a more progressive America. I am Marcos Molitsis, the founder of Daily Coast, and your co-host, along with senior political writer Carrie Eleveld. If you want to join the conversation, we record the podcast live on YouTube and Facebook every Tuesday at 1:30 Pacific, 4:30 Eastern. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, welcome to Daily Coast The Brief. Our weekly show about politics. I am Marcos Milicis. I'm here with Carrie Alaveld, my wonderful and amazing and so smart co-host. And it is election day. So we will be talking about Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, some other states that have some, you know, action happening on the ballot. But really, Virginia is the sort of the, the bell of the ball. And... Virginia has a bit of a extra cachet in the political world because you know the beltway media is in the beltway they're right there they're looking across across the uh, <laughs> The sound, they're bored the, the, in the
1: office. They got nothing to do in the office. They're years. bored.
0: Nothing to do. Yeah. They're bored. And they need to build narratives heading into the, the off-season cycle. And so the Virginia governor's race is always the year after a presidential election. So it's sort of like this means everything. What we're going to talk about today is does it actually mean anything beyond whatever's happening locally in Virginia, whatever issues are driving the news in Virginia, And we're going to talk about, (laughs) we don't know how tonight is going to turn out, but we have some hints already about what's happening in Virginia, and we can definitely look towards 2022 by examining if Democrats do well. If Democrats don't do well, what does it mean for the 2022 midterm elections? Sound good, Kerry?
1: It sounds good by me.
0: Sounds like a plan. So joining us right from the top, because why wait, is Carolyn Fidler? She is uh, comms director at Daily Coast, but more importantly for today, she is one of the nation's preeminent experts on state legislative politics and extra so for Virginia. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh yeah, no, thank you for having me uh, today of all days, especially it's a Super
0: Bowl. It's <laughs> a Carolyn Fidler's Super Bowl. Kind of no. is. World Cup because it's every four years. There we
2: go. Oh, I like that. Yes, we're just, my World Cup. Right now, what we're
1: doing is just managing Carolyn's anxiety. I mean, this <laughs> is all about just killing an hour for Carolyn, where she doesn't have to like be checking stats and checking <laughs> Twitter and blah blah blah. Just for she's just like it's kind of like a meditative hour for her. So
2: I mean, I can't disagree with any of that (laughs) at all but i do have a lot of perspective on what's happening today that's helping ground me a little bit because i've been doing virginia politics for longer than i care to admit because it dates me
0: (laughs) all right all right this is okay great perfect tell us why you are a virginia political expert let's let's uh tell our our listeners and our viewers why we should trust you and your analysis on virginia Because I've been doing Virginia
2: politics, like state-level Virginia politics, for slightly more than two decades now. I got my start as a wee baby intern when I was in college for the Virginia House Democratic Caucus. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. I've spent most of my professional life working in and around uh, politics, definitely, and state politics particularly, because it's incredibly important and it's always very interesting. But Virginia obviously holds a very special place in my heart. So where I got my start, um, and it's been really educational and fascinating to watch the Commonwealth go from where it started back in 2000, which was the beginning of real Republican dominance in the legislature. We already had some Republican governors, but uh, and watching the party swing that way, and then well, the state swing that way, and then start swinging back. And it wasn't you know people forget that Virginia kind of grew bluer in fits and starts. It wasn't like this long this long natural evolution that was just smooth and just went on its way. People forget that in 09 there was a landslide where the Democrat very much did not win. A Republican, that's the last time Republicans had a governor in Virginia was uh 2009. He, But
0: Bob uh, McDonald won by 17 points yeah. in 2009. And just for context, remember this is, it, is this is, is the year after this <laughs> is the year after Obama was elected and progressives were so frustrated that a piece of legislation was stuck in the Senate held up by a handful of conservative democratic senators which sounds scarily familiar now Carrie and I you know I think we disagree I'm a little more you are a little more hopeful
1: what a, a little more that, hopeful about that, the agenda
0: that that the Senate that that the problems that Democrats are having with getting the Build Back Better bill out of the Senate isn't as dangerous to our 2022 chances as problems passing the Affordable Care Act in 2008 and 2009 where to the 2010 midterm elections.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we've ever had that conversation, but I'm not quite as Debbie Downer about that because I'm never Debbie Downer. That's... (laughs) (laughs) That's just not who I am. But I also think there's some, I mean, you know, you can make the comparison between 2009 and now. But there, there are some fundamental differences between what Biden is trying to do and what the ACA was. Right. I mean, you know, they were the, the whole Obama administration got entirely focused on this one piece of legislation that did one thing. And that was important and obviously ended up bringing, you know, millions of people into health care. So I am not, you know, denigrating that at all. But. This bill that the Biden administration is working on has a lot of stuff for every for for not every, but for almost every group, it may not have everything that everyone wants. It certainly doesn't, but it's not just addressing one issue, it's addressing a multi a multitude of issues, right? And so you're not gonna have the entire progressive field of environmentalists and LGBTq activists and you know on and on who are all like, but what about our issues right because a lot of those a lot of those groups not every group is being addressed i mean i'm like if i were an immigration activist right now i would be tearing my hair out and i am very pro-immigration reform. So I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to like cast myself as not in that camp. But if, if that were my sole issue that I were working on, I would be tearing my hair out, right? But th- there are sort of an array of things in this bill. And I think that's what makes it, to me makes
2: it a little bit different than the, than the 2009 situation. When it passes, like, you know, Republicans are gonna run on all that stuff that's in there, like as hard as they can. They're gonna try and take credit for stuff they voted against. Yeah. Yeah, so- <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm I'm being a little unfair to myself. I'm going to admit that, right? You know, the comparison with 2009 and 2000, what is it today? 21. <laughs> it's clearly not the same, considering that Bob McDonald, a Republican in 2009, won by 17 points. It was a different Virginia. It was a different wow. sort of climate. Nobody's thinking that the Republicans are going to win by double digits. If the Republicans win, it would be a narrow win. Uh, Carolyn, can you talk about sort of I don't know if you remember 2009. I know this is a year that we probably want to block out, but can you tell us a little bit of of that difference? What has changed in the last, what is that, 12 years?
2: In Virginia, the major things that have changed is the uh, the party in power in in the Commonwealth, and not just like the gubernatorial uh, office and election. But Democrats now have majority control of the General Assembly, which means Democrats have real power in the state. To draft and pass laws to be signed or rejected by a governor, um, who cannot actually, you know, draft and pass laws themselves. So the landscape has uh, evolved over the last decade um, in terms of Democrats becoming more powerful in the Commonwealth and exercising that power. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite stats so far uh, today, Tuesday, Election Day, is that even before polls opened at six a.m. this morning, one in five. Eligible Virginians had already voted. That's a twenty percent turnout before polls even open. Yeah, amazing. over over a million over, because because yes. Democrats passed massive voting reforms that made it much easier to vote, much easier to vote early, um, much easier to vote by mail. And it's it's well, it's going to be really fascinating just academically to see how that plays out in the electorate today. Um, no matter which side wins, obviously please God let Terry win, Youngkin would be a terrible governor for so many reasons.
0: Do you, for context, you were talking about 20% voted before even, you know, the polls opened. Do you know, just off the top of your head, what voter turnout was in 2017? Oh, I thought you were about to ask about 09.
2: <laughs> Which I can tell you was
1: about 34%. <laughs> okay, what
0: so about they, the 2001, Carolyn? You
1: want to know about 2001. We're still, <laughs> we are still
0: credentialing Carolyn, right?
1: <laughs> I've never had to prove my bona fides. I get on here every week and I'm like, nap, 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 nap. no one's ever asked, well, what kind of authority do you have? It's, uh, no, it's God, a real
0: question, it's- though. It's a real question. In 17, just for context, you say 20%. That's <laughs> a lot. What was the turnout in 2017?
2: Uh, it was, oh, I want to say it was like 2.6 or 7 million. Um, I think I think I just read that today. It was, yeah.
1: point, I think, 2.7 million. Yeah. About 40%. Think- some yeah. people are thinking that we're on track now to blow past three million if I, if what I saw was right.
2: That is a, a, a lovely hypothesis that I absolutely hope is true, and that 20% turnout for polls open makes that very possible. In Nothing
1: but unicorns and rainbows on my end, blowing like straight past horses. three million into the governor's mansion, and so- we'll have paid family leave by next year in Virginia. Anyway, so if you want <laughs> paid family leave, get to the polls. All right. So anyway... Sure.
0: So there's a lot of tea reading, obviously tea reading, tea leaves reading, whatever that, the, uh, the analogy is, um, of what that means. What does extra turnout mean? My, my theory on turnout, generally speaking, if it's a blue state and you have high turnout, it helps us. If it's a red state, high turnout, it helps them. Right. Because they're, they're a majority of the people. On top of that, it's actually harder to get our vote to the polls than it is the Republican vote. They're older, whiter, wealthier, more rural. So it's easier to vote uh, in rural precincts. It's harder to get our younger, you know, from a socioeconomic standpoint, you know, less advantaged. It's hard to get those people out to the polls. So if they're turning out in Virginia, a blue state, uh, a young state, I think, because of those those Northern Virginia areas that are you know highly professional. This is a good sign, right? I mean, it has to be a good sign. Is there a it scenario a where high? Is there a scenario where high turnout actually is not a good sign in Virginia? Oh, absolutely. Because um, <laughs> you said in blue states, high turnout is good. In red states, it's
2: it's good for Republicans. In blue states, it's good for Democrats. Uh, Virginia is purple. It's uh, people have been calling it a blue state for a while, and I've been. Disputing that gently for a while, um, it is certainly trending blueward and getting, you know, the the what's I guess more violet, <laughs> indigo <laughs> end of uh end of purple towards blue, but it's not there yet. And uh, historically, um, there's some data that, uh, on this coming that came out of two, uh, 2020 about how early voting isn't necessarily you know high early voting turnout doesn't necessarily mean that. Democrats are necessarily going to do better. Uh, Republicans also have a tradition of taking advantage of early voting. And so the fact that that's been expanded and has become easier in Virginia doesn't necessarily mean that all those new voters or the majority of them are even Democrats. So it's a little bit of a crapshoot because this is, this is uh, uncharted territory in the in the Commonwealth.
1: I think in terms of the dynamic you were talking about, Marcos, too, one of the big question marks is are the suburban voters who turned against Trump during the Trump era going to stick with Democrats or not? And these are high turnout voters. So they typically would have been a a decent part of the 2017 electorate and they'll be a decent part of the 20, of the 2021 electorate. And the, and the question is,
2: do they stay loyal to Democrats or do they defect? That's very insightful and, uh, and has been borne out by the fact that young can, Decided that he was going to target these suburban voters with this whole like banning books rhetoric. You know, Terry, Terry, Terry doesn't want you to have a say in your kid's education. And no, also, no
1: Tony Morrison. That Tony right. Morrison. Oh boy. Just
0: so some... can actually, I, I think I think people should should hear a little bit more about that ad. Carolyn, can you tell us? Because you're there on the ground. You know, this ad has got a <laughs> lot of ads. <laughs> well, I've seen all the ads. But this, this one has gotten a lot of national attention. Can you tell us a little bit about the Banning Tory, Toni Morrison book? Ad? Because it doesn't even say what the book is.
2: No, but, it's amazing. So all right. So, for y'all who have not seen the ad, picture this. A very concerned white, very Karen-ish mom speaking to camera about how her son, her gentle son, came home from school. Doesn't mention that it was like AP, like English, you know, 12th grade. But her son... Her fragile son came home from school with this book that had scary things in it. Um, and then she, she took this book to lawmakers in Richmond and had them read the scary parts. And their faces were just red because, oh, they're so precious and fragile. And they, and they tried to pass legislation to help ban books in schools because that's, you know, historically a really great idea. Anyway, so, yeah, her, her fragile son didn't want to do his reading assignment for Beloved, let's be real. Ranted to his mom, and his mom made a thing of it. This kid is now a lawyer for the NRCC. This kid did just fine, although he's probably still pretty. I,
0: I, I don't know if he ended up working for the Republican Party. Maybe he didn't turn out so fine after all. Maybe, maybe Tony Morrison broke him and uh, you know turned what? him into a monster.
2: I would wager a lot of money that he never actually has read the book. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: willing to, I'm will, I'm willing to be with Carolyn on that bet. I don't think he did.
2: No, and this I, woman, this concerned voter, was actually a big Republican activist. I mean, like, yeah,
0: yeah of course, he wasn't just an average Virginia mom. He, he, but here's what's key: he doesn't mention the book. Nope, doesn't mention uh, it. It's intentionally vague because he mm-hmm. is trying to appeal to suburban voters mm-hmm. who probably have. A positive opinion of uh, of uh, one of the great American authors of all time, definitely of our of, our, of this of this century. And so he's kind of try, trying to straddle this line between appealing to the book burners in his party,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but not being overtly a book burner. So what what's the framing in that in that ad that sort of is directed? It, it's trying to walk that tightrope. 'Cause it isn't banned books. That's right, not gonna work in the summer. Right. It's
2: just like there was something scary and and controversial in this one book which won the Nobel, is that right? That's <laughs> Yeah. And well the the subtext is that like, you know, you know, in our white suburban schools, maybe we shouldn't be reading scary books by black writers. But um, but the thing about schools in Virginia is that they're actually pretty good. Most suburbanites especially are pretty happy with their local school systems. So I'm not sure who we're trying to rile up here. So I've I've been I don't know I would I'm going
1: to try this out for a second because I I've listened to things read things and whatever and I don't have sort of the granular knowledge that you do, Carolyn. But it seems like what uh, what Yunkin has tried to do here, and if he wins, he will have succeeded in doing it. And if he doesn't win, he'll have failed, right? but it seems like he's turned education into sort of a grab bag of things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on the internet, the education issue is all about critical race theory and should we be treating you know teaching critical race theory which is ridiculous because no one's teaching critical race theory and and every every, even in loudon county where this became a big issue that all of the educators were like we're actually not teaching critical race theory right but that's become the big buzzword for sort of the far right right and then and then there's a whole bunch of uh, people who i think just generally have been frustrated with what's happened in schools over the last year, you know, in terms of having to have the school shut down and not, you know, a lot of kids doing remote learning for a lot of time and, you know, and then parents having to try to cover for that time period and whatever. And I think there's a lot of pent-up frustration that he's tried to tap into. So exactly. I have definitely seen like on the internet it's all crt about education critical race theory and then and then you know he's got this uh, the tv ads are this concerned parent who wants to get involved and also isn't there one where where yunkin is saying uh i want to give more you know put more money into education and you know it's a much softer like more, um, palatable feel Mm -hmm. for suburban voters. So he's, he's kind of tried to just like keep a bunch of, I'm really distressed about what's been happening in schools over the last year and a half, everything from pandemic to race issues, to masking, whatever. And he's just trying to like get all of that in one issue. Does that (laughs) seem reasonable?
2: I think that's right. And, but instead of actually addressing the things that have actually frustrated and been plaguing no pun intended Virginians for the past year and a half um, you know, not being able to be in school because of there's a pandemic on um, it is frustrating. And, and, you know, and now we're moving back towards normalcy with vaccines and things, but there's still that frustration and, we're not back to normal yet kids are still wearing masks in schools and things like that. And, uh, you know, and and parents are worried every day when they send their kids to school, like, you know, is this going to be the day that there's some sort of breakthrough case or something happens? Like there's a lot of fear and frustration out there still. And you're right. He is absolutely trying to tap into that, but without doing like, Hey, everybody get vaccinated or Hey, masks are good. This is how we keep our schools open because that's not a Republican message.
0: Right. Is, is, um, there's a lot of sort of panic in the Democratic Democratic establishment in Virginia right now over mm. the results and and um there was some polling I guess that showed the race closer. I had this grand unified theory of American politics that says nobody's changing their minds anymore, right? We're we're stratified, we're mm. locked in. If one side is gonna win over the other side, it's gonna be because of voter voter turnout. Like that's the big determinant factor in a lot of places. And then you have places like Kansas, um, no, Kansas is not a good example, but like South Carolina, where it's really hard for us to win, period, particularly federal races, just right. because of that stratification. Like there's yeah. nobody being convinced. Yeah. Otherwise. I, I just, I just have to bring long. up the
1: urban voters. I just have to bring well, them up. Because this is where I'm coming. From. Okay. Yeah. all
0: right. That That's exactly where I'm going. If okay. the polling is correct in Virginia, that it is getting closer and, and, I, I, I'm skeptical, but if the point is correct, that would be the only, would that be the only demographic that is currently in play from a persuasive standpoint? Would it be those suburban voters? Is there anything else that looks remotely swingable in Virginia? No,
2: <laughs> easy
0: answer. Sorry. No,
2: um, no, there there are the, especially this is easy to see in the Northern Virginia suburbs where and close to where a lot of pundits and reporters live. Some of them even actually live in these suburbs. Um, but this is the case in suburbs around Richmond and Hampton Roads too, where like people who are not super involved in politics, but traditionally might have sort of leaned Republican-ish, couldn't deal Donald Trump, and now they have voted Democratic a couple of times and are more comfortable with it, but are I think also, yeah, still persuadable, uh, back the other way, and it is is absolutely concern. And like I said, that's why Youngkin went after this school issue because he's like, oh, suburbia got you.
0: I mean, that's it, that's oh, his only that's basically that's his only path to victory. Is to claw really? some of that vote back,
2: right? Because uh, you know, <laughs> Trump turnout last year in Virginia wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah I
1: mean, his, his part of his path is to
2: potentially turn out Trump voters,
1: right? But it but that may not happen, right? So yeah, he's, so he's
2: soft peddling right. that. So because I mean, there's no quicker way to turn those suburban voters off than to go full right. Trump. But then you exactly. want to motivate the the
0: extremists. I mean <laughs> with soft pedaling he was like panicked at the idea of cause Donald Trump hinted that he was going to go do a campaign rally in Virginia. Right. And Young King was panicked. I mean right. they were like, hell no. I mean that would have been the end of that. And I'm, well, actually, t- <laughs> I'm a little surprised that Trump hasn't lost his marbles over this thing, right? He hasn't lost his shit over being repudiated that way.
2: Well, because I- it gives again, it gives, it gives him the attitude to disavow it if uh, Young can lose it. Yeah, exactly. he, he doesn't know how this is going to go either. So he's like, great "Eh, powder dry. It's fine.
1: Right. And even in his statement, like yesterday he issued, he issued several statements yesterday (laughs) because, you know, I mean, he's got thoughts. And so sometimes it just doesn't matter. He's pizza. You know, there's no discerning which are good thoughts and which are bad thoughts. Just put it out. So um, anyway, but he but in his statement, you know, he's saying things like now I I don't trust Virginia elections. I don't really trust them. And, you know, because bad things have gone on there and bad things happened and bad things will happen. But the only way to, you know, get over that hump is for is to flood the system and everybody get out and vote. So he's giving these like really mixed messages about, you know, about oh well don't try you know your vote might not matter at all and i don't trust virginia elections but you should get out there you know and and like any you know no communications professional ever has said send mixed (laughs) messages it's the best (laughs) thing right so like he was and then he had that rally last night and like none of this i mean the the young i'm sure that they were like sick with panic when he suggested that he might come and visit virginia Mm -hmm. What was it? Last Friday, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I am I cannot imagine what what kind of mayhem like (laughs) happened in that campaign headquarters when they were like trying to verify and trying to get all the surrogates on the phone, you know, because Young can't say can't call Trump. He's too thin skinned and say, don't come. Right. He can't say that because then Trump will flip so they're probably like on the phone with lindsey graham they're like lindsey graham quick call trump and tell him not to come from virginia right 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 and then you know use child psychology on him reverse (laughs) psychology and like you know tell him obviously he would really you know but he like he he can have plausible deniability if he hangs
2: back or i don't know whatever like I, i can't even imagine but Right. But, but also yeah. at the same time, Youngkin is like raising things like, oh, election integrity. What if elections in Virginia aren't that secure, which they're great. They're very secure. And and he's 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 floating these these things that are Trump light. And, um, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Democrats tried to do Democrat light and that did not work out for us at all. Right. So I don't see that working out too well for him, but I guess we'll see.
0: So one of the I think one of the factors that's really in play in that sort of Democratic panic is this idea that that Virginia is a bellwether for the 2022 elections. And if we do poorly, that means that we're in trouble next year. If we do really well, then we have a fighting chance right now in New Jersey. They are voting for a governor in New Jersey. And this is crazy because New Jersey, blue state, a Democrat has not been reelected in New Jersey in 50 years. In, wow. 50. In 50, 50 years. Whoa. So the fact is, nobody's really worried about New Jersey. The uh, Chris Phil Christie Murphy...
1: got reelected and they can't reelect a Democrat? <laughs> yes.
0: Are you like, what? New Jersey Sorry. Governor Phil Murphy is headed towards what is looking like a very easy reelection. That, you know, this is not a normal thing for New Jersey Democrats. But of course, nobody's talking about New Jersey. Right. Because that's everybody. Talking about Virginia oh. and and somebody on the internet. Um, <laughs> Hart, I'm just that's my sourcing I think <laughs> if ready. you're
1: gonna, the chart you shared in Slack, I, I'm pretty sure that was from S- Sabado's crystal ball. Okay, right? okay, yeah, that's yeah. what it
0: was. I, okay, yeah. so I, um, that's a great yeah,
2: resource.
0: Cl- plug for them. Great resource. Yeah, right. University yeah. of Virginia. Out of University of Virginia, so these guys are are legit. And I'm not going to go through the chart, but basically, it turns out that it's maybe not that much of a correlation. Terry McAuliffe won in 2013. Uh, Democrats did poorly in the 2014 midterm. You have 1997, Jim Gilmore, Republican won. <laughs> you know, Democrats did fine. You, you're, you know, you look at this, and and there isn't really 2009 was a wavier all around. It was obvious mm-hmm. it was a wavier. Nobody's really thinking next year it's going to be a wavier. It's it's. I mean, if I had to guess right now, um, it's going to be a stalemate, and one party is going to win a handful of seats one way or the other, and that's going to decide to sign it, right? So, you know, even a 50-50 race is going to be incredibly impactful. Nobody's really thinking wave at this point. If Duncan sorry, you know, wins by 15 points tonight, then okay, then we can all say, like, well, yeah, um... we're, we're in trouble. Anybody see that? Why (laughs) is there so much focus on Virginia? This is a softball for you, Carolyn.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, as a Virginian, I believe in the superiority of Virginian over over (laughs) the most other states. I understand that is not a majority view in the nation, nor should it be. That's weird. So people should always be paying attention to Virginia. But Virginia has elections literally every year. And so in an off off year, an odd-numbered year, when there's just really not much else going on that's even remotely interesting, and New Jersey is kind of further away from D.C. and not that interesting, but oh, Virginia's right there. It's right across it's right the there. river. We can, or like, you know, I swear there's a piece in Politico the other day that was only written because John Harris, the founding editor, like, lives in a suburb where he saw some Yonkin signs. I'm not even kidding. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty that. sure I read that piece, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So like, so
1: these folks, I think the headline was something like, this is how this is how Democrats could blow it if they don't pay attention to the, you know, to the lessons of blah, 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 or
2: something like that. I was (laughs) never had read the piece. I (laughs) I I
0: really do. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because, Carol, you mentioned how a lot of those reporters actually live in those Virginia, northern Virginia suburbs. And so they're surrounded by neighbors. And it shouldn't be that hard if they exist to find uh, Hillary Biden from Youngkin voters. It shouldn't be so hard if you're surrounded by it. Yet we've seen more than once where they have a supposed Democrat who's so upset, you know, so upset at critical race theory. And then people dig in and it turns out it's a Republican activist. Like it's yeah. happened
2: multiple or, times. I think you just call out Jeremy Peters at this point. That was right. so amazing. Yeah,
1: New, yeah. New, York
2: so York New York Times twice in the last
1: week I think has had supposed swing voters who turned out to be Republican activists. I can't remember. the set. I don't know the specifics of the second story, but the first story is like very clear written by Jeremy Peters. It was a rough go. Okay, let me, let me, let me <laughs> Let me try something out here. So I've been thinking about. So there, okay, regardless of whether or not there's a real there's a consistent correlation between what happens in Virginia and what happens the next year in midterms, regardless of whether that's true, that's what we're going to get, right? So so if if it's close, even if Democrats win, gonna, everyone's going to be like, this is bad news for Democrats. Republicans it's, are it's cro-
2: closer are, than Biden's win here. Everyone's going to like lose their minds yeah. and be like. Right. Oh, gosh. Except then for, they're go- for a Democratic governor. Right. And then they're going to lose their minds.
1: They're going to lose their minds even worse if Youngkin wins. And what mm-hmm. I, I was listening to, uh, what, Five Thirty Eight podcast. Right. And they were talking about what the takeaways would be. And one of them, you know, it's kind of talking about the education thing and Youngkin sort of walking this line. And then uh, Republican candidates will be trying to recreate what Youngkin did, even if he loses. But it's close. And I was just thinking like. I was thinking, in particular, because we're starting to get a real feel for the Senate Republican slate of candidates, like Herschel Walker trying (laughs) to do Glenn Youngkin. Okay, sorry. I just, (laughs) I just don't see it. I mean, what if Sean Parnell? All of these, a lot of these GOP candidates picked by Trump who haven't necessarily won the primary yet, but like they've cleared the field in Georgia for Herschel Walker. Sean Parnell in Pennsylvania, who his wife just testified under sworn oath yesterday that he choked her, that he hit their kids, that he left her on the side of the road, called her horrible things. I mean, this is this is like I mean, these it's unbelievable that these are the candidates that could potentially form the GOP slate. How are any of these guys going to be Glenn Youngkin on the campaign trail? i that it's a serious
2: question. Well, and this actually gives me a good chance to put on my state politics, generally speaking, hat. A lot of things, what a lot of sort of national observers, I feel like don't fully really appreciate about state level elections, uh, less so with governor, more so with state legislative elections. But it definitely applies to governor as well, because even though it's a statewide election, it is still a state election that is in a, in a, I would say a healthy election running lost on like state issues. There's the, the national environment is always a cloud over any election you have in any state for sure. But most, most state elections, especially for legislature, which is also happening in Virginia, the house, not the Senate. um, These are, these are, these are issues uh, that only apply to like these localities or to just a state. And they matter Um, They matter in ways that in these races, they're never going to matter in a Senate race. And so I think the national atmosphere has a lot more weight in a federal election than it's going to have in a state legislative election or most gubernatorial races.
0: Yeah, I mean, we see that in a place like Kansas, where Democrats can win the governor's race or Louisiana or even Kentucky, where these are blood red states uh, with Democratic governors supermajority Republicans in the state legislatures, and uh, and clearly, um, they're not going to send any Democrats to the Senate anytime soon. And um,
2: so and that's, we, and that's hard to cover from DC because it requires a level of expertise on these state level issues that's just really hard to have if your job is to cover all politics nationally. And like, so I'm not mad at any of these reporters for kind of missing these boats when they try, but like it, it it they is, live in Virginia.
0: Trying. They live in Virginia. I mean, this is, it's, all they have to do is look out the window, uh, metaphorically, but... They
2: live in Virginia, but did they live in Virginia when Republicans were still running things back in the early aughts?
0: I don't know, bad one. Do they they remember
2: Jim Gilmore trying to get rid of the car tax? I mean, like, things like, things like this are important in history because we have Youngkin talking about getting rid of the the grocery tax in Virginia, which is a regressive tax and is, generally speaking, a good idea, but he's just trying to blow a hole in the budget. He wants to talk about raising, like, pay for teachers and more money for education with one hand. And he's trying to like, you know, eviscerate our tax base on the other without a plan for like replacing it. And it's just that (laughs) that got tried before and it sure as heck did not work.
0: Yeah. But I can also counter with the fact that Northern Virginia, how many people were living in Northern Virginia back during the Gilmore era that are living there now. And this is, you know, that region has experienced explosive growth. It's true. Although
2: Northern Virginia was really happy with Jim Gilmore's proposal back then because our car tax bills come due in October. So you want to get rid of it? Yeah, no, he, he won pretty. Uh, I mean, it, it was a smaller margin than Allen. And a much smaller margin than the
0: McDonald victory in 09, but still it's, he won by 13 points. But again, 1997 by 13. points. I was going to say,
1: but you're talking about the '90s when Democrats were also <laughs> trying to be like Republican light, you know. Right. So like, Definitely. it's not like anybody was pointing out what what the flaw. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there for sure, but it doesn't seem like you know. It's not like it's not like Democrats were providing this incredible alternative, you know. No. In fact, how, in
2: fact. Right. My current congressman, actually, and then candidate Don Beyer tried to come up with his own, like, let's sort of roll back the tar- car tax, like, light plan of it. And obviously that didn't work out for him at
0: all. So so you mentioned the legislature. What is at stake in that battle for the Virginia to Senate, right? The upper chamber. No, it's lower chamber. Oh, lower chamber. Okay.
2: All 100 seats of the House of Delegates are up today as well. So uh, the Senate will be up in two years, and that's only 40 seats. But uh, Democrats currently have a 55-45 edge in the State House. Um, And they have that majority, that edge, for the first time in in decades. So they won that just two years ago. And so now they're fighting to hold on to it. Uh, They don't have to worry. They're running in the same districts they did last time around, which that would not be the case if the Commerce Department hadn't screwed up the census so badly. But uh, so same districts a defending majority for the first time in eons and uh it's 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 going to be it's going it's an elbiter it's it's not that big five seats is not that much especially when like I, there was like one victory 2 years ago by i want to say like, 24 27 votes and uh it's uh i i personally believe that democrats will hold the majority um i i think that we might lose a couple seats and maybe even flip a couple seats but i think it's a uh, I don't know if there's going to be a net gain, but I think that we will keep I, I think we'll stay above 50. Um although I mean and we really need that if we end up with a young governorship because uh, And and, and so, what's the democratic margin in the Senate right now? It's a 21-19. Uh, okay, so
0: it's a very narrow margin.
2: It's very narrow and one of those democrats is Joe Morrissey who sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's um, always one guy there's always one one what are the chances that his initials there's are J M? <laughs> yeah. For, what are for the context, chances? one issue is that he is on the wrong side of his choice he is he is not very in favor of, of reproductive freedom and that's a problem and which you know that I mean, we haven't talked about the lg race which is uh historic no matter who but, wins it there will be a woman of color the lieutenant and, governor's race. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, my throwing around acronyms, uselessly. Um, lieutenant governor runs the state senate, and in the event of a tie, is a tie breaking vote. So a woman of color will be in, will be. Uh, leading the state Senate will be our lieutenant governor for the first time ever, which is very cool. And she uh, runs on a ticket or are they individually elected? They're individually elected. It's okay. it so. definitely, it's happened many times in Virginia history, you know, with a democratic governor or a Republican governor and lower uh, folks of other parties. Uh, it's mm-hmm. quite, creates quite an interesting dynamic, but, um, but yeah, but Winston Sears is, is, is her, her policy stance, they're scary. She might be very nice in person. I've never actually met her, but hey, who's I who's do remember. Yeah, yeah. That? Winston Winsome Sears. She's a Republican candidate for Lieutenant okay. Governor. Okay. Um, Republicans have not been, uh, you know, using her on the campaign trail a lot because she's pretty extreme. Like she was only in the, in the House for two years, way back in the aughts, and she was ex- too extreme for them even then. They kind of she wasn't uh, a big player so, in the caucus. Like so that. how'd she get the nomination? That's kind of a uh, story. Well, well, that's just, it, it gets into, like, weedy, like, nomination stuff.
0: Like, uh, what, state Republican party convention, convention and... Yeah Republicans, have been nominating,
2: yeah, Republicans have been nominating their candidates via convention for a while now, and it's given some real extremists. Um, And so she was, uh, her win for, to become the nominee, the lieutenant governor nominee, was just kind of uh, attrition. You get the multiple votes and, like, people move from one candidate to another, just like just like another party convention vote. And she ended what, up winning. Question. Is that the way Youngkin got nominated too? Yes. Was via
1: convention? Okay, he right. did. He, he must have bought off a bunch of people. He's apparently barely wealthy. All right, good. I've, I've nailed that. Um, okay, so. <laughs> not, even asking, not
0: even asking, Carla. You're
1: yeah, I so know. I mean, let's be clear. He's got a lot of money. He's self-funding his campaign. He bought a lot of people <laughs> off. They've got, there's new yachts and everybody, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, okay. I mean, he a lot of waterfront. With, just a disclaimer, I haven't really done any investigative reporting on that. So it's like <laughs> just pure conjecture, you know. I mean, Lincoln so,
2: has given $20 million of his own money to his campaign. Who knows yeah. what else he might have spent his own money on? Right. So, with, so who knows?
0: Anyway. We already <laughs> <a bit. laughs> Yes. Deep investigation.
1: So, parade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard it on Daily Coast first. Okay. So, anyway. <laughs> I do have a question though. So if, uh, if, if it turns out that, um, or no, so you, you worked on a piece about what to look for tonight. Mm -hmm. Was it specific to Virginia? Can you give us a few hints about (laughs) things that I, I haven't, I haven't read it yet and it's my own fault, but I would love to hear things that you're looking for. Um, as you watch the returns come in
2: tonight, you know, telling races, telling districts, I don't know, whatever. Well, I mean, turnout obviously is is a big thing to keep an eye on, um, and for the first time, uh, absentee precincts uh, will be tabulated early, as opposed to like after the rest of the in-person election day votes. So, the, so the early votes will be hopefully available. Those numbers will be available much earlier in the evening than they were, you know, say just last year. They weren't available till about, I want to say eleven o'clock Eastern time. So, and polls in Virginia close at seven. Just by the by
1: so it used to so just to, just a contrast it used to be then that if republicans had an early lead democrats could be like but our mail in votes haven't been counted yet right. is that true and so like but now it shouldn't be a situation where republicans have an early lead re- it might actually
2: right. be a situation where democrats do is that true uh possibly that's the thing is this possibly. is in a little bit of uh, uncharted territory right now so uh gotcha but um yeah we might instead of like a red mirage which is you know what you what we saw last year in some places where republicans showed up really strongly in person but a lot of democratic votes were cast early and then those those leads switched and republicans everywhere tried to cry cry foul and that was garbage but hopefully counting those early votes earlier in virginia will help um make the actual results a little more clear tonight so yes turnout's a big thing um Traditionally, the larger like places like Fairfax, the large like the largest county in the state, those results do tend to come in late. So there's always a freak out early because Republicans do better than they should just because so little of Northern Virginia has actually come in, um, and just Fairfax
0: just comes in late. That's what they do. We and I in. think those precincts have like eight million people in them because it's like three precincts left. Republicans leading in them. Bam, we win by yep. six points. <laughs> it's,
2: it's, it's 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 almost that bad. Yeah.
0: And always um, always late in the night, too. Late so Fairfax for is, California.
2: is
1: a very, very blue-leaning...
2: extreme. Uh, it's extremely right, blue extreme. and extremely large. So you yeah. get a lot of votes out of there, and they tend to be pretty Democratic. So don't um, freak out until Fairfax is in. Is that what
0: you're saying? Yes. Okay, yes. Which is basically the last to come in.
2: Don't traditionally, but, you know, who knows? They might surprise yeah. us tonight. It's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a whole, whole new... Uh, whole new landscape we're working with here and so I'm and because of what I focus on state legislatures mm-hmm. um, I'll be watching the state House returns um, and I'll especially be watching uh, certain districts around Hampton roads and the Richmond suburbs um, those results are likely to come in earlier than some parts of Northern Virginia and The way those seats go and those counties go, it's going to tell us a lot about um, what the statewide situation is um, as votes sort of start to trickle in from various localities. The smaller rural places always report first because they're smaller, fewer votes to count. So a lot of those early votes are just going to be read. That's how it is. Everyone needs to take a breath and not start freaking out until at least 10 p.m.
0: 10 p.m. Eastern time.
2: Then you have license to freak out.
0: Yeah, um, so I know I just spent some time earlier on the show, sort of poo pooing the idea that tonight's results have relevance to 2022. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually walk that a little bit and just talk mm-hmm. about the things that I actually am paying attention to mm-hmm. uh, that I think are going to be important. 2022 is going to be a base turnout election. If our base turns out in votes, that looks good for us. Even if, if it if they maintain that same ratio of BVP Republicans, that's good. There is always a fear that our core base will not turn out. That was the case in California. The press and the D.C. press was all really excited at the idea of, of, of mm-hmm. the Democrats losing the governorship. And Drama turns out, turns out, turns out in the end that it was the same margin as uh, California Governor Newsom's margin of victory when he first was elected governor. So there were, so maybe the freak Just- out – yeah, go ahead, right. Kerry.
1: Well, ju- and just a note, too, that that was a huge polling whiff there. Cause, cause, but the polls showed that he was going to win by about 15 points, and he ended up winning by 24 points, I think. So the polls were almost 10 points off there. Um, so, I, you know, I, I feel like polling in the Trump era, no one's cracked the code yet. Sometimes it's, it's been decent, and sometimes mm-hmm. it has not been. It was off in California, even though the prediction was – you know, Newsom survives, right? He survived yeah. by a whole heck of a lot more than what the polls showed. Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah, yeah no, no that's great. That's worth bringing up because it was off in Virginia
2: four years ago, too. Right. I mean, more than one had won by like eight points, and that was like right. just a dead heat going into election day, according to the polls. Right. They underpun yeah. Democrats.
0: It, it's it's tough. Yeah, it's tough to poll Trump voters, mm-hmm. it's tough to poll young voters of color who aren't going to pick up a phone and answer any pollster question. And um, so there are challenges in this modern world and in states where you have a preponderance or an election. I mean, if you know Trump's on the ballot, <laughs> the polling is suddenly like really suspect because we know for a fact that the nihilist Trump voter isn't <laughs> going to be answering the pollster and telling them what they really think. Oh, but, okay, so I will be looking at base at our base turnout. How's youth uh, turnout? How is turnout amongst, you know, black and brown mm-hmm. communities? That's going to be very, very important. Are they being demoralized by what's happening in D.C.? Sure. Uh, or is that 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 connection that I think we did see in 2010, 2009, 2010, is that just not a thing these days? Because we are so hyperpartisanized, and I actually think we're smarter now. I think I think Democrats can look at the Democrats in the Senate and say, "Yeah, mansion and cinema are the problem, not the Democratic Party generically." Oh. That didn't exist back in two thousand nine. Nobody was blaming Max Baucus and Joe what? Lieberman outside of our little bloggy circles, which was a very small part of the progressive movement. Back then. So the other thing I'm going to be looking at is suburban voters, right? This is yes. Carrie and I. This is our, one of our big obsessions, of course. Are suburban voters still winnable for the Republican Party? If this message resonates, the different question is somebody like Herschel Walker or, or Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. Can they mimic it? That's a whole different question. The question is, is there a message that still can move suburban, college-educated women back to the Republican Party, back to their ancestral roots. And um, I really hope it's, you know, don't make your kids read Beloved. Yeah, be I, I mean, I'm hoping not, obviously, but yeah. we're going to actually have empirical evidence. this week. And actually, I wouldn't discount New Jersey because a Republican mm-hmm. running in New Jersey is actually running a very moderate, never-Trumper-style campaign. Uh, I think he's been sort of race because he's, you know, like you said, he doesn't. Those beltway political reporters don't live in New Jersey, right? So there's no
2: drama. Everyone knows, uh, you know, the Republicans not going to win there. So who cares? Also, also, I think there's a tendency to think, well, what
1: this is about suburban moms. But I'm pretty sure. I think it was the Washington Post ABC poll that showed that suburban moms were still. Who do you trust on on education? They were kind of still like you know in this was may have been this may have been virginia-wide i'm sorry i Mm -hmm. I think it was virginia-wide but it was like kind of 50 50 among women who do you trust on education but men had gone like 10 points in the direction of republicans so you know this whole like education thing that usually is a democratic issue democrats pull better on it Mm -hmm. um it, it if if it's you know it may not there may be a gender bias too in terms of what happens with education so i mean it's just another layer of something to to watch for oh but definitely anyway i think i think that's yeah. i
2: think that's very very sharp um yeah men
0: hmm. so men. yeah no uh, it's it's that's why i don't say <laughs> suburbia is moving towards us it's college educated women in suburbia are moving towards us because men yeah. uh, the men, are not. Men, are, men are men are rough um so
1: <laughs> men are rough <laughs> rough. I just, I just talked about the You just said things. it, Marcos. You said, I'm the lesbian here. I didn't say it. I'm
0: just I'll saying. I'll say yeah, it. I'm, I'm self-aware. Right. I'm, I'm self-aware <laughs> of my people. Yeah. Um, okay, so I talked about how I'm really going to be watching Suburban Vote and I'm going to be mm-hmm. watching um, the uh, sort of base core black, brown, young vote. Caroline, Can is there something else? In Loudoun
2: County, And everyone should be watching like Henrico, Hanover, and Chesterfield. Everyone's really hung up on Loudoun because it's close to D.C. Oh, yeah. And there are a bunch of noisy school board meetings there, but it's it's other suburbs in Virginia that I think are being more representative of other suburbs in other states. Suburbs, you yeah.
0: yeah suburbs of what? Are they still DC suburbs? No, this is
2: these are suburbs of Richmond. Hanover, okay. Henrico, Chesterfield.
0: Okay. What makes them different than Northern Virginia suburbs?
2: Well they are they are not across the river from DC. They're a little yeah. less impact. Well, and they're not in the DC media market. So they get less wow. of the DC news bubble um your issues there are 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 just more local as someone who grew up in the richmond media market i can tell you like they that the news coverage is very different um they certainly pay attention to national issues but there's a lot more local stuff
0: okay so you'll be watching the richmond suburbs and what are we looking for if there's a shift in the vote margin between joe biden and and terry mcauliffe this time
2: yeah Definitely.
0: Um, And there there
2: are some House seats there that are are being really hotly contested and Democrats majority could rest on that as well. But but, yeah, Terry's performance there could end up being really educational about uh, what we might see next year in other suburbs and other places. I think Loudoun is just so saturated with activists right now and D.C. bubble coverage and people that I I just don't think it's going to be quite as instructional for the rest of the country.
0: Oh, oh, interesting. So so the thesis is that that Northern Virginia has its own dynamics that don't really reflect suburban broader America, broader suburban America. Yes. I would okay. say that as right. I helpful, love Northern actually. Virginia, but it's it's not normal. That's helpful. Carrie, okay, <laughs> is there anything you're looking at specifically or is it basically, you know, suburbs as well?
2: I mean,
1: I, 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 I'm definitely focused on turnout. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I can say anything new that I haven't said already. I'm focused on turnout. I think I'm, I'm really focused on this idea that somehow there's going to be takeaways that can be useful here because I feel like there's such the the media has already sort of missed the mark on on what education is they've made it so much like about critical race theory when i think it's been this as we discussed earlier broader grab bag of issues and I, i'm just like can't imagine that the takeaway, regardless of who wins, if it's close, either way, Republicans are going to try to make a big deal out of it. And I I just don't know that they're going to, that they really are going to be able to zero in on what it was that Youngkin did. They're going to, they're going to spin something. They will spin something and the media will eat it up that this is the thing. But I would, I would caution everyone before number one, They go into a panic about next year, and that number two, the idea that Republicans can recreate what Youngkin did, and that they even understand what Youngkin did. I mean, I I, I don't think understands what Youngkin's doing. (laughs) I don't. I don't either. I the Republican Party is like so undisciplined. It is. I mean, you know, Mitch McConnell like endorsing Herschel Walker is crazy. This is crazy stuff. So, like, the idea that they're going to have that, like, you know, Kevin McCarthy is going to be able to like mastermind some sort of like you know strategy based on what comes out of Virginia in order to you know like. I just, I'm not buying that, and I don't know who's going to win this election. But this whole idea that there's going to be some incredible lessons that you know Republicans can glob onto, and God knows if they lose by five points or no or more, there's not going to be any lessons that they glob onto because they they haven't learned anything in ten years of politics, nothing. I mean, so, I feel like they
2: might learn that maybe they might learn that Youngkin should have embraced Trump more. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Okay. So so here here's. <laughs> What's the over/under on Trump blaming us on Youngkin if Youngkin loses? Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? That's not a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we can, we can stipulate that. That's already a fact. This is like a real fact, not a not a joke fact. Like yachts. But <laughs> hey, here's a question, though. Here's a, and we're running out of time, unfortunately. Holy crap! When we talk about expectations and mm. Republicans saying if we keep it close, right? Like. How do we define if we keep it closed? Now, Terry McAuliffe, <laughs> when he ran, and we never mentioned this, but governors in Virginia are not allowed to run for re-election in consecutive terms. Correct. So, Terry McAuliffe was governor back in 2013. Then, in 2017, Ralph Northam uh, won his four years, and now Terry McAuliffe wants another crack at it. He won in 2013 by 2.5 points against 2.5 Ken Ginelli,
2: points. a die-in-the-wall. Proto Trumper, <laughs> I, yeah. I would now, say, like, he was, he was, he was way. I'm gesturing to my right. Way before it was
0: cool. I don't know. now in 2017, Ralph Northam, you know, Democratic governor, won by 8.9 points, so nine nine points. But it was the year after Trump was elected, sort of at the height of the resistance, mm-hmm. right? So there is an argument that we made that 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 might have been inflated. So. Presumably, if I'm a Republican, I'm using nine points as that baseline, right? Anything less than nine points is a, quote, victory for the Republican Party.
2: Sure. Is it really, it, really, it really, though? Is it, it
0: really, though? From Where would you be worried? You know, at what point, you know, if, if Terry McAuliffe wins by one point? Yeah, I think we all should probably should worry. But, like, is there a number that you would say that's the number where Republicans can legitimately declare victory? 50% plus one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just. Well, I'm, like,
1: I'm already. Well, first of all, you, just so you guys know, the the elections already been stolen, according to Steve <laughs> and Steve I'm Bannon, and yeah. so it's been it's been stolen. All right, so you know, because if if it's anywhere close, we cheated. So you know, go Democrats, cheat better. Let's win you know, let's steal more s- Senate
2: seats next time. Anyway, yeah. but I would <laughs> argue that I would say that I think I wouldn't just argue. I would just just a posit, Just it's, it's a fact that the national atmosphere is not super great for Democrats right now because we're in charge and, you know, the throw the bums out energy is no longer in our favor.
0: Uh, yeah, so a Terry 30, victory 30,
2: of 0.5 yeah. is still a victory for Democrats in this climate. Yeah, a Terry
1: victory of yeah. 0.5 is what she said. Yeah, right. So, you know, it, basically if McAuliffe wins, that's a win for I mean,
2: Democrats. I think so. I mean, oh yeah, he's facing given- massive headwinds. That, like, you know, of yeah. all the coverage, like, no one's really talking. I mean, people are trying to like do the blame game, but they're not talking about like the campaign in the context of just the fact. Fi- I mean, all right, people have talked about it, but I feel like it's getting a little undersold. I should say uh, the fact that the the climate is just very different. Um, it's it's. I mean, that is only the
0: climate in twenty thirteen. Yeah, not only is it different, but it's going to be different next year. I think we understand Mm -hmm. that Trump is not going to stay quiet in Florida next year. He'll be bigfooting around, Mm -hmm. becoming a campaign issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would have probably been more helpful had Trump shown up to Virginia. We would have gotten a better sense of what 2022 is going to look like. The fact that they were able to keep him out. Who knows? You're right. Lindsey Graham. I don't know who the hero was. There's a hero (laughs) in the Republican Party that kept Donald Trump at home. That would have sort of given us a better baseline, I think, about what's coming next year for sure. And, Kerry, I think you're absolutely right. Nobody's going to replicate the Youngkin formula. I think it's going to be Ron Johnson in, in in Wisconsin, Sean Parnell in Pennsylvania. Uh, but
2: Youngkin does win. The lesson going to be keep Trump out, which is going to change the dynamic a lot nationally.
0: Except that Trump's so he, not going to be kept out. That's, the, that's, that's Trump's, Trump's already cleared that's the field for for sure.
2: Herschel Walker
1: is already the GOP nominee, even though he hasn't won it yet, technically, in mm. Georgia. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they cleared the field for him. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in, in – I don't know what's going to happen in Pennsylvania. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in Missouri, which is, you know, probably a less – much less yeah, likely Democratic up, But, you know, Fine. but I'm just saying, like, he – whether or not Republicans want to keep him out, they haven't proven capable. Mitch McConnell just bowed to Trump's wishes on Herschel Walker, which is, frankly, one of their best pickup opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, like that is nuts. So, like, if the if Herschel did,
0: Walker, just to be clear, he's claimed the famous he was a famous college football player.
1: Yeah. And he. So look at Tiny Tuberville. He, He also allegedly, he also allegedly told his ex-wife that he was going to blow her brains out. And I, I (laughs) should have, No, I mean, really, I don't mean to be like traumatizing anyone who has experienced violence or abuse, but he said that to both his wife and his, and allegedly, and, and one of his ex-girlfriends. And that should be
2: disqualifying for any candidate. That should be
1: disqualifying. So like. If their lesson is we need to keep Trump, Trump out, good luck. Not a single fucking one of you has the backbone to do it. Like, good yep. luck with that.
0: Yep. And again, I don't know how they manage in Virginia. I don't. It, it, it they was... they play to Biden's margin. And they're like, nah, you
2: might not help, bro.
0: You'll get, you'll get blamed if we lose. And yeah, that probably, that might have kept them out. That it's enough. Yeah. So guys, we have a minute left. Carolyn, oh, any yes. last thoughts? Any last thoughts heading into tonight? Lightning
2: round, lightning round Carolyn. Oh Well, if you know, if you're watching this live, you still have an hour and a half to get in line and go vote if you haven't done it already, if you live in the Commonwealth. Um, So please do that. Or if you live in other places, we've been talking about Virginia, but there are many other elections also happening today and they are all important. Um, and yeah. Daily
1: Coast the Daily Coast elections team will be following them all night, yes. and there's primers on Virginia as well as I think other elections that are you know, taking we, we place got a, tonight. Right, so
0: important Supreme Court race in in Pennsylvania. And we need to keep those courts in our hands because we know Mm -hmm. Republicans are going to try to steal elections. It's Mm -hmm. now coded into their very DNA. (laughs) And there's municipal elections, mayorships and, and city councils. And Those are all important. And in fact, they all impact your life very, very directly. And they also start they're kind of the 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 farm team for our candidates as they move up. Uh, to higher office and eventually federal office. So we really need to start winning those local, local elections. Uh, so do what you can to uh, definitely vote. I mean, I'm sure if you're listening to this or, or watching this, you you probably already voted, but this is good practice for next year. Cause next year is going to be okay. epic. Everything basically is resting on next year's election. So hopefully fingers crossed for tonight. Um, I'm sure next oh, week we'll be, yeah. we'll be Carrie and I, and you know, we're going to be talking about what the results in Virginia, maybe what they mean, if Over anything at means. all. <laughs> yeah. And, and hopefully we have good news to tell, but, um, this is, this is democracy. This is what we're fighting for. And, and, um, so it's exciting. Election day is always exciting. It's an expression of our nation's heritage as a democratic, you know, as a democratic nation. Uh, unfortunately we have just, Republicans. Just a
1: that. Just a reminder that it's a, it's still a democratic nation, right? Okay. And Sorry.
0: and apparently now this is being contested every election cycle, which is absolutely devastating um, for us as a nation that this is even in question. But that is where the Republican Party is today. So we got to fight. We got to organize. And no matter what happens tonight, we gotta we gotta keep the pace up and we gotta actually increase it because next year is absolutely critical. Thank you so much, yeah. Carolyn, for joining us. That was an incredible conversation. Learned so much about Virginia, <laughs> Carrie. You're wonderful. You're my favorite co-host. and and uh, <laughs> I'm your only co-host, so it's good it's like, that you I'm like right me. Here. I know. I know. <laughs> no, sorry. Technically,
1: Carol. like the official title. Yeah, title official title. title. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, I'm, uh, I'm right here. <laughs> you're my favorite <laughs> guest co-host. Oh. And then when Carol's on, oh she'll be my Cara. favorite guest Wait. co-host. Cara. Oh, my yeah.
1: goodness. Carol's right in the green room. Uh, I, oh, know, I know. I know.
0: I know. I'm, in, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm doomed. There's no <laughs> way for me to dig myself out of this one. That's what I get for talking too much. <laughs> Thanks to Walter, Ian, and Kel for being a producer, for being our producer and doing such a great job. Kara for being our social media and, uh, and getting second up favorite co <laughs> <laughs> apparently can they all be favorite co-hosts can they're all <laughs> favorite they're all my favorites they're all
1: my favorites i'm just saying and thanks
0: to you the viewer and listener for joining us every tuesday or wednesday if you're listening to the podcast or whenever you're listening to the podcast please like favorite us uh, subscribe to us whatever your platform of choice asks you to do so you can keep listening to us every week thank you so much love you all keep fighting fingers crossed for tonight see you all next week thank you for listening if you're enjoying the show give us a rating wherever you get your podcast you can always talk to us at dailycoast.com or on twitter at dailycoast see you next week